Just checking if my clicker, yes, is in action. Great. So, yes, as a school teacher, I've always been interested in what motivates and influences people, particularly students, and what influences their behavior. Why will one be motivated and another one disinterested? Why will one do their homework and another one won't? One misbehaves and another one does all their work and even helps others. While it's not always easy to know what influences someone, what I do know for sure is that everybody can be influenced. Every one of us can be. And I actually want to say you're all constantly being influenced, kind of like thoughts. You can't stop thinking. You can just choose different thoughts. But you can't ever just say, I want no thoughts. You can't ever not be influenced. You're constantly being influenced by the way you feel, by things you see, you hear, worries that may be coming to your mind. Yes, the fact is we're constantly being bombarded by influences both internally as well as externally. Companies spend millions advertising because advertising influences behavior which influences sales and then profits. The sad part is that even deceptive advertising works. That's why they do it. And well-presented pre lies do influence behavior. So there are three points I want to start off with, and that is that, ooh, that's just a little groove there. <laughs> okay. We are constantly being influenced. Influences do affect our behavior, and our behavior affects our life, both now and eternally, and it also affects the lives of others around us, particularly our own family. But you are constantly being influenced. So, you can't stop an influence, but you can focus. Like right now, you're listening to me, which means you've given me a little bit of time to try and influence you. If you got a bit bored, like I see one or two people are chosen to rather go for their cell phone. Taking notes, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Fred, thanks for pointing that one out. I thought there were some, some, some people not paying attention. <laughs> yes, you, but you could choose to rather be influenced by your social media, or you could choose to say, no, I'm going to focus on you and I'm going to listen to you. But you could choose to tune out. It's your choice. But one, something's going to influence you, and you can choose what that is. Politicians are constantly trying to influence you to vote for them and their ideas. Advertisers are trying to influence you because... They know if you buy the things they're marketing, they can make more money. Do you know that even the pastors here at New Creation Family Church are trying to influence you for, the, for your good? Do you know that if you come early, you get a cup of coffee? <laughs> they're trying to influence you to come early. And do you know that after the service, there's these amazing, delicious scones? They're trying to influence you to stay afterwards and connect and be part of community. It's influence, good influences. And they want to change your life. They want to influence your life for the better. My goal today is that I will influence you. And I want to, my hope is that I will inspire and motivate you to make God's word the dominant influence in your life. Yes. So psychologists and psychoanalysts, they've concluded 
right back to the time of Freud, and they keep re-looking at it, and some agree and some disagree, but there's, a, there's, a, there's an overwhelming consensus that there are two primary influences or motivators that motivate behavior in humans. Desire, the seeking after pleasure, reward, and comfort motivates you, influences you. And the other one is fear, the fear of pain or loss, discomfort. Proverb, uh, like the proverbial carrot or stick. Are you influenced by carrots that get you going or you're afraid of the stick? How many of you would still go to work if they stopped paying you? That carrot keeps you going. I know there's a few people who found their passion. I know I I would still carry on working. I love my job. But a lot of people do it because of that carrot that gets offered. And how many of you would still pay your taxes if there were no consequences for not paying them? I just said, please pay them. But But if you don't... Would you still keep paying them? Oh, nice, nice one. There's, there are a few. Uh, okay. How many of you pay your tithes even though there's no consequences? No, but there actually are. But, okay. Um, yes, fear can influence your behavior and desire can influence your behavior. And they can be subtle. I just want to show you just some, some people who try to influence me over the last two weeks. I received this email, I'm sure some of you get it, it's subject, donation, $2.8 million. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, your email account was selected for a donation amount of $2.8 million. Email us for more information. Best regards, Manuel Franco. Okay, desire, would I like $2.8 million? Yes, I certainly would. Do you think I should get in contact with these guys? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, they're using desire, my desire for wealth, because just think of the things we could do with it, to try and influence me to make contact with them. And then I know, I know how it plays out. They're going to say, yes, we've got it, but to release it, you must just send 5,000 rand to get your 2.8. And they'll try and get you to pay it, and they'll hook, hook you on that desire. Here's another email I received two weeks ago. Dear client, or oh, oh, subject, final notice. Okay, that's creating a bit of fear. This is to inform you that an incoming payment has been stopped and your account has been placed on hold due to errors on your details. Kindly follow the button below to resolve the issue. And there you click to resolve it. Who, who would click? Okay. Well, what's going to happen? They're going to say, enter your bank details, and then they're going to steal it and then steal your money. But there's a f- when you first read it, what? My account's been placed on hold? How do, I, how do I resolve this? They used fear to try and influence you to do something. Now, I want to tell you, some people do click. Otherwise, why would they be sending it? It might only be one in a thousand, but they only need one or two in a thousand to, for them to, to make this a viable business. But there's employing desire and fear, two examples of it. How many of you have seen that, I don't know if it's Omo, I think it's Omo, the Omo ad, where the kid has had a bad day and then his mom washes his soccer kit in Omo. And suddenly he gets on the field and he dribbles the whole thing and he scores the goal and he's a champ and, and he goes and he hugs his mom and there's a big happy family and it's so amazing. And, and she's super mom, all right, because she washed his clothes in Omo. And every mom wants to be super mom. And she, there's this well, just buy Omo, and then your whole family's going to be amazing because you wash in, 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 in this particular washing powder, or the, or the guy, the, the nerdy accountant, maybe accountant, I don't know. The girls aren't interested in him, but then he puts on a special deodorant, and suddenly they're all interested in him. Okay? Desire. 
they present something that you may desire and they say, well, here's a way to go about it. Is it true? No, it's a lie. Does it work? Well, they wouldn't be doing it if it didn't work. It does work. Have a look here. Coca-Cola, one of the most successful advertising companies in the world. Okay, let's just, 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 to, just to give clarity here for a moment. Coke is carbonated water plus flavorant plus colorant plus 10 spoons of sugar plus a bit of caffeine. Okay, that's it. Coke. Coca-Cola. We all know it, right? But look at these. There's four different campaigns they're going. Do you know what I see? Love and connection. Beautiful people. International superstar. Elite athlete. Look at this woman. It's like everyone's desiring her and she's like, oh, I've got this Coke. And everybody <laughs> wants... Now, now, now let's, what has research shown? You know, there's two things that Coke can, can do for you if you really get a lot of it. It can give you diabetes or obesity. That, that's, I'm, like, that's, if you drink a lot of Coke, if you, have as much, if you just have too much Coke. But what, is this, what are they portraying here? They, they're giving you something desirable. Is, is not every one of those pictures desirable? How about that? Open a Coke, open happiness. Wow. Would you like to be happy? Well, just go buy a Coke. And now, Coke is a very successful product, and this advertising works. Is it true? It's absolute lies. Coke's not going to make you happy. It's not going to give you a beautiful spouse and connect with them just because you co It's not going to make you um, Ronaldo. Because you <laughs> put those muscles and... Coke's not going to do that for you, but there's a lie here. They're trying to influence you to buy. So those are all false. Here's some, here's some truth. These are true ones, but they're based on fear. All three of these are based on fear. Smoking causes 80% of lung cancer deaths. Okay, the fear of disease and death, that's what this ad's trying to appeal to. To influence you not to smoke. Spare parts for humans are not as original as those for cars. Don't drink and drive. Okay, they're trying to scare you here, okay? Awareness, pollution. That fish doesn't look particularly happy with the junk that's being thrown into the oceans. And so there's like a, maybe a guilt as well, but a fear of, oh, I wouldn't want to be harming these fish. So, so here, fear is being employed. Incidentally, I've, I intentionally made the first ones, they're all not true. These are all actually true, but it's using fear. These ads, these employ both fear and desire. Okay, the first one, Fear. If you died today, who would take care of your family? Like a little bit of fear, but click here for a free quote. Okay, that would be great, something for free. Special offer, 50% off, but it's limited time only, limited stock. There's something great, but there's a bit of fear going there too. So these advertising campaigns definitely want to use fear and desire to try and get you and influence you to buy their products. Okay, so there are two primary influences. Desire and fear. And desire and fear can still influence us even if they are based on lies. Most news coverage is bad news. Have you ever noticed that? Very little part of the news is, is good news. And it's basically based on fear. It's the bad stuff. It captures your attention. And most adverts and series are based on desire. There's always good-looking actors and very wealthy people, things that would, you would find desirable. They get you hooked, they make you want to watch. The entire media, media industry uses fear and desire to capture your attention and influence you, and it does, whether it's truth or lies. 
So truth and lies. You can't stop the abundance of broadcasting, but you can choose the channel, and that channel will influence you. Okay, you can choose which people to follow on social media. You can choose which YouTubers to, to listen to and allow them to influence you. It's your choice. But once you've made that choice, you can't help being influenced whether they're giving you truth or lies. Jesus said, John 14 verse six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. We need to make Jesus and his word the dominant influence in our lives. If you don't choose that, you become vulnerable, susceptible, open to whatever else is coming. Because when you're open, influences are just gonna keep coming. But when you choose to say, I'm only gonna let this influence me, then that decision has been made already. And that's the only thing that will influence you. So, deceitful and harmful influences, which are lies. We see in Mark 4 verse 18, the parable of the sower. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The word, truth, Jesus' word, can be choked out because of the desire for other things, worries, deceitfulness, the lies about wealth and what it may do for you. 1 Timothy 6 verse 9 to 10, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Why are we susceptible to lies? Because they seem to be offering us some form of pleasure, or they scare you into doing something quickly, because you may lose out. We need to listen to truth and not, but so much truth that the little bit of lies will not influence it. But when you listen to too many lies, they will choke out the truth. And if you wander from the truth, you will be pierced with many sorrows. The primary focus of our message for today is I want to focus in on what I believe is eternal truth. Things that you can know for sure, that you don't have to wonder, is this truth, is this a lie? You can, you can hold on to them and let these things influence your life. And when they influence your life, you can be guaranteed of God's blessing. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 says, these three things last forever. So you can rely on them. They're not they're for now and they're for hereafter. They last forever. Uh, preceding this, Prophecies will pass away, all these gifts of, of, of healing, all those things will pass away, but these three things are gonna last forever. These are true and these are reliable. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. In the Amplified Bible, it puts it like this, and now there remain faith, hope, and love, but it explains what each one is. Faith, abiding, trusting God and his promises, confident expectation of internal salvation, and love, which is unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choicest, the choicest graces, but graces, but the greatest of these is love. I want to choose these truths to be the dominant influences in my life. And I hope that you, you will do the same. I've, because I'm a teacher, I always like to put things in tables and charts. 
And I, I started with that one, and then I thought, oh, it's a bit too, there's a bit too much. So let's simplify it first, and then we'll get to a little bit more complicated. So faith, hope, and love. Faith, trusting God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, and love, unselfish love for others growing out of, out of God's well-being. Now, like I said to you, you can't just do nothing. You've got to choose to do something. And when you choose to put your faith in God, you choose to turn away from fear. And, and, and I, I, perhaps I need to just point this out. Not all fear is bad, just like not all desire is bad. If you were on the top of a very tall building and got to the edge and were suddenly like, whoa, I better step away from here, that's a legitimate fear because it's dangerous. It's not like that's wrong. And the same as if you desired, a, you, it was lunchtime and you desired some delicious ripe fruit, it's a good desire. So on the bottom, I say line of truth, the things that are lies, I'm talking about fear that are lie-based, desire that are lie-based. And I've added in the, the column on the right, addiction, fanaticism for a cause. I added those in because they don't affect everybody, they affect a small group of people who become addicted to something. Do you know when you're addicted to something, there's no longer choice, you just do it. Every, every opportunity you're presented with, you just do it. And when people become a fanatic, they become obsessed and fixated on something, they just instantly do it at the expense of all else and everything else. And um, yes, it might be great to say, um, you must be a fanatic for God and you must be a fanatic for, for the Bible. Yes, that's true. But people become a fanatic sometimes about one aspect of material life and that destroys their life. But it's, 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 it's not really mentioned because it's not something that, that affects everybody. But, I, but I've put it in there because um, I think we are aware of some people that are affected by it. So this, this table is about if you're affected by lies of fear, you need to replace them with faith in God. Your focus is on yourself. Your focus needs to be on God. I want you just to think for a moment now as well. Do you know the Bible says, do not take the Lord's name in vain? Third commandment. Starts with, have no other gods before me. Then says, um, don't make any graven images. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. The first three, you know, first, like those are interesting ones, you know, they don't seem to relate to anybody else. It relates primarily to you. But you know what happens when you start taking the Lord's name in vain? People, you, the, the name God gets so used that we start forgetting who is God. I want to just, just for a moment think about this. Okay, you see me here today. If we found the biggest guy in this auditorium, I don't know who would be the biggest guy. And we get him to stand next to me, and he's a bit bigger than me. How, how big would God be if he was here? Okay, Isaiah says the earth is his footstool. Okay, the earth is his footstool. That's just too, how, how big is God? He's huge. He's beyond comprehension, but we tend to just start to see him as a person who thinks and feels like us and forget he's actually God. And we forget that we need to fear God because wow, he is so huge and big. And if, we were, if our focus was on him, we would stop fearing all these other things because we'd say, God is far greater. Far. And when we understood that he only wants what's good for us, our confidence would grow. When you understand that he loves you as well, You'll live a life in absolute confidence in him. He's so big, his motives are so pure, and he loves you so much. And if your focus was like that, and you understood God like that, your life would be changed. But we tend to just see God, use the name, 
casually and we, we start to forget who he actually is. Let's look at this more complicated table now. What I've done is, so we've got the line of truth in the middle, the black line, and, 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 and the, above is God and others, that should be our focus. Below is me, my stuff, my cause, everything about me. And I'm gonna start at the bottom with the fear of pain, loss, humiliation, which can make you worried, anxious. You, you might be, in your, and I've just put a few ideas in there that, that, that might define or characterize what that's all about. And then at the bottom, you'll notice I've put some names. These are people in the Bible who I kind of thought of that, that, that sort of give a good example of, of, of what that is. Now, David, you'll see, I put him there with faith, but he also could have been under desire because he also once messed up with desire, didn't he? With Bathsheba. But so, and, and, and so some people could be in more than one place at a different stage in their life, but I'm just going to use a quick story of, of some part of... of um, you know, that, that defined a part of their life. So let's start with King Saul. King Saul, you know him, hey? He was the guy who was there watching when David killed Goliath. He was the king at the time, anointed king. He was described as a head taller than every other man. So he was a big guy. He was a king. He had the best armor. He had the best trainers. And he was anointed of God. But he looked at Goliath and said, oh boy, I'm scared. David looked at Goliath and he looked at God because he knew God. He knew how big God was. He knew how terrifying God was. He knew how strong God was. And he was like, oh, this guy's, this is nothing compared to God. This guy's, and, and if no one else here wants to go and do this, I, I know God, God wants to defeat this guy and I, I'm willing to do it. He knew God better than what King Saul. So King Saul had a fear of man and, and, and there's a, Another verse in the Bible where um, it talks about where Saul was with his army and Samuel said, wait for me, I'm gonna come and I, and I wanna do the sacrifices. I need to do them. And Saul was waiting and, and after he had waited, he saw his, the guys in his army started to leave and they, they seemed a bit disinterested. And he thought, people are, are losing interest in, in me as king and my battle. So he quickly said, quickly, I'm gonna do, the, I'm gonna do this offering. Instead of waiting and listening to God, he feared the loss of his popularity as king. He feared people more than what he feared God. And immediately as he finished sacrificing, the prophet arrived. He said, How, why have you done this? Why didn't you wait like you were instructed to do? Why didn't you trust God? You feared man more than what you feared God. And I wanna say, he, he can also, you know, under fanaticism, King Saul, do you know that he became obsessed with trying to kill David eventually? He became a, like, his whole army was off just trying to kill him because he feared losing his position as king. He was so threatened by it that he became obsessed with it. And, he became, and it actually destroyed his whole life. He spent a large portion of his life just trying to chase and kill David. Ananias, I put him there, and you know, Ananias and Sapphira. He pretended like he was sold some property. and Look, everybody, you know, I'm bringing this, all this money here to give. And he, he, he cared about the opinions of people more than he cared about God's opinion. He should have just privately done what he wanted to do. He didn't need to, but he cared and feared man more than what he feared God. Now, if those kinds of fears need to be placed in a, you know, into a faith in God, I've put Daniel there and I've put David there. Daniel, we know about Daniel. 
he just kept worshiping God and serving God despite being put in a lion's den. He just had absolute faith in God. I want to talk about David for a moment, and I also want to talk about David's fear for God. So in Psalm 2, David writes, Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. I, I want to just talk a little bit about how fear fits into faith because I think it's a little I feel for myself that it's, we haven't understood the greatness, the awesomeness, the majesty of who God is, and we've stopped fearing him and started fearing other things. When your fear is correctly placed in God, you'll stop fearing anything else, which is why David didn't fear Goliath, because he feared God far more. So 1 Samuel 24, verse 5 and 6. And this is also an interesting, you know in Saul, which I mentioned now, he was trying to kill David. At one point, David was hiding in a cave and Saul actually came into the cave and David had the opportunity to kill him. But it says here, David's conscience began to bother him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. So even though Saul was trying to kill him, he became, um, well, he, he got this opportunity, but he was like, hold on, God anointed him. I, f I wouldn't want to risk offending God here because wow, I know how big, powerful, amazing God is. I wouldn't want to just, I rather, let, let me rather not do this. He was too afraid of God even to kill someone who was trying to kill him. And it just demonstrates his fear for the Lord. I've put a few scriptures down just quickly. New Testament, Old Testament. Here are three from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 and 13 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, walk in obedience to him and love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I've given you today for your own good. That's critical because I think some people say, some people think God is needy. Oh, he wants us to fear him. Oh, he wants us to give to him. Oh, he, he needs our praise. He's not insecure waiting for you to praise him. You praise him. You need to praise him because it gets your perspective right. His is already right. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need it. You need it. And because you need to fear God for you, not for him. He's not, if, if he wanted to make you fear him, he could do it in an instant. He could show up as an all-consuming fire and show you his majesty and you would be trembling if you really saw the majesty of God. He doesn't want to do that, but uh, you choosing to know him and fear him is for your own good, not because he needs it. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning. It's not the end of wisdom, it's the beginning. I believe love is the end, but the fear of the Lord is a good place to start. Fearing God will keep you from many of those evil desires. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. This is the last part of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And at the end of writing all kinds of stuff, he says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. He concludes here. Fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. He concludes that that's the way for a successful life. 
I know some people say, isn't fearing God for the Old Testament? Well, here is some New Testament. Acts 9 verse 31. The church began, uh, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger, became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Hebrews 10 verse 31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I wanted to say this. Can you imagine if somebody was trying to kill you or get you? That could be intimidating, make you afraid. But you could go to God and say, God, please help me. And he could help you. Somebody stronger could help you if someone was trying to harm you. But can you imagine if God was cross with you? Who could you, who could you say, please help me? Is there anybody who could help you? Nobody could help you. But he doesn't, he's not cross with you. He loves you and he wants to do what's best for you. But just understand that concept that you don't need to fear anything when you fear God and know who he is. Hebrews 12, verse 28 and 29. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God with, and worshiping him with holy fear and all. For our God is a devouring fire. Philippians 2, verse 12. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not, not, and remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. That's not where you stay. There's also hope. and There's also love. And love is the greatest. But don't just say, I just want to go straight to love. I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to understand anything else. No, start. You need to begin with the fear of the Lord. And then understand the blessing of the Lord. The hope that he has for you. So let's, let's go back here for a second. So, our fear needs to be in faith and the fear of the Lord. Our desire needs to become hope. Now, I've put there Eve, Judas, and Esau. Think about Eve now for a moment. Eve was in paradise, in the Garden of Eden. Many trees, many good trees. Her husband, handcrafted by God, didn't have to work, no, you know, no hectic responsibilities. Life was good. But there was one tree. Don't touch that. It's not going to be good for you. It's going to end badly. Now, no matter how much good there was, there's one, just one thing. What is human tendency? No matter how much you have, no matter how great it is, the one small thing that you don't have, sometimes, hold on. And that temptation, any one of us can, some people think, oh, if I just had that, I'll be satisfied. If I just have this, no, no. No matter how much you have, there will always be one thing you don't have that you'll be tempted with. But you know what would have prevented it? The fear of God could have prevented it. The hope in God's blessing, because he's, oh, there's this tree. Well, hold on. I'm sure this, the only reason God would forbid it and say don't do it was, is because he cares about me and this, got to, this has got to be, have a bad result. I'm pretty sure he's got something good for me. I don't need to, I don't need to spend my time worrying about this. I've, I know God's got something better for me. And my hope is in that honest, good, and, and pure blessing that God has. So Eve, yes, she made a mistake, and we know how that ended. Judas, do you know that he had... He, can you imagine if you could spend some time with Jesus? Walk with him, ask him some questions. Let him pray for you. Imagine walking with Jesus. Judas walked with Jesus. He had the greatest treasure anybody could ever have. And then he desired 
I presume he didn't have much money, so he was, oh, look at this money these guys are offering me. And he was tempted by the money. But then afterwards, when he actually got it, he realized, this is meaningless. What did he do? He went and he threw it back in the temple and went out and killed himself. When he realized, he realized what he had lost. It's like that, you know, that story about the dog that has a bone and on his way home, he looks in the water and he's like, oh, that looks like a better bone, his reflection. And so he lets go of the bone he has to try and grab it and he loses what he has. Because you're focusing on what you haven't got instead of what you have got. And that's why thankfulness and gratitude are so important. And I put those in under, under faith. It, when you've got your focus on what you've got, you stop worrying about what you don't have. If Eve, you know when Satan said, hey, check that this tree. I mean, look, it's good. Look, She was just like, no, I want to go look at the trees that I've got. I don't want to look at the one that I'm not supposed to. Let me look at the ones that are mine. There's lots of them. And God is good. And I trust him. And I wouldn't, and I wouldn't want to risk disobeying him. I put Esau there, we know him, sell for a, for a meal, gives up his birthright. What a fool. We need to turn our desire into hope in God. So when there's something that you want and desire, you need to say, no, God has, that's, whatever this is, is a counterfeit. I know God's got the real thing and my hope is in him and I know he will give me the real thing. Sex before marriage is... Is, is, the, is, is a deception for the beauty God has for inside of marriage. Don't be deceived by it. Don't try and go and get it. Say, I know God has something good for me. And you do have to wait a little bit. Humility and patience are important qualities of hope. I've put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego there. And the reason why I put them there, they not only had faith in God, and they said when King Nebuchadnezzar said you, he, he was trying to use fear to influence them. He said, either you bow down to this image that I've put up, or you're going in the fiery furnace. Fear motivated everybody else. They said, no, I fear God more. Their fear of God was greater than their fear of the king. But here's, here's what boggles my mind. They said, we believe God could save us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to do it. Why? Because my hope, I know I've got eternal salvation. And even if I die right now, heaven's far better. I'd rather just be in heaven and having a short, shorter life than, than risk eternal eternity away from God. And so they not only had faith in God and feared God, but they had hope in what, uh, what God had for them in the life hereafter. They had hope in, in God's blessing. Let's move across down to addiction and fanaticism. I think Cain is perhaps a good example of becoming fixated on something, becoming obsessed with something. We read in Genesis 4, verse 4, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what's right. In other words, God's saying, hey, I want to accept you. You will be you know, it's not like you're, you're just a bad guy and we want nothing. No, you will be accepted. But there's something, something's missing here. We need to fix it up. And I'm pretty sure he could have said, God, help me. What is it? In fact, let me, let me, I know I'm the older brother, but let me go to my younger brother. Well, I'm missing something. Can you maybe help me out here? Because it would take humility to do that, wouldn't it? But instead, what does he do? And, well, let's, say, let's first read, what does God say to him? He says, 
If you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, eager to influence you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Sin is crouching at the door. Sin, deception, it's crouching at the door. You've got a door, it's outside the door. It's crouching, it's down below. Now you can open your door. Oh, come in, come have a seat. Let's chat, tell me, influence me. Or you can say, you better stay out the door. How do you keep it out the door? You make sure the Holy Spirit's inside with you. And you say, Holy Spirit, show me. Other godly people, talk to me. I don't want to listen to this. You can't not be influenced, but you can choose who's influencing you. And if you don't make a choice, things will just happen. Make the choice and you can, you can ensure the outcome. Now just think about this for a moment. Cain became, how, how obsessed must you become to want to go kill your own brother? He, he was so deceived, and I, and I know some of us would think that's shocking. I just want to, taking it a little bit closer to home, have any of you been jealous or offended because someone else was successful? They got the promotion and you didn't. They, just like what happened here. Abel was more successful than Cain. And what do you think you need to do? You need to attack them through gossip, through slander, through you attack. You, think, you get deceived into thinking, I can solve this through attacking the person. And it's a deception. You cannot attack the person. You need to go to God and find his love. So let's look back there. We've got Cain, Saul of Tarsus. He became the apostle Paul, changed his name. But Saul of Tarsus, do you know what he was? He was obsessed with a mission to persecute Christians. He thought he was doing God a favor. He thought his capturing of Christians, putting them in jail, getting them whipped, and he was there with the stoning of Stephen, so he even condoned killing of Christians. But do you know that he actually thought he was doing God a favor? He became a fanatic for a cause. And he was so fanatical about his cause that he didn't pause to say, God, show me your love. I want to understand your love. And I can tell you, if you're addicted to anything or if you've um, become a fanatic about something that's a deception, you're going to need to find God's love to break away from that. And you need to start loving others. You need to um, en enroll yourself in some service. In fact, many addicts, you'll find that just looking after dogs, doing, doing things is, 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 gives them other meaning besides that addiction. Uh, but yes, faith, hope, and love, all three of them in that order, I think is, is, is the right um, approach. King Herod, do we remember who King Herod was? He was the guy who was ruling when Jesus was born. And the three wise men who came along and they said, yes, we've, we, we've heard that there's a king being born. And what happened to King Herod? He became so threatened so afraid that he may lose his, his influence and his kingdom. What did he do? He said, let's kill all the children under two, just to ensure. Now, how foolish is that? I mean, if you really believe that God's ordained something, do you really think you can stop him? Do you really think so? But the deception, the lies, we get deceived into thinking when we attack and kill people, we will solve problems. You won't be solving anything. Um, suicide bombers, terrorists get so 
deceived into believing this thing that I do is going to solve a problem. You'll never solve problems by, by killing other people. You will solve many problems by loving other people. Stephen, oh, let's, okay, so yeah, I've talked about the fanatics. If you go up to love, we've got Jesus. I don't think I need to comment on, on Jesus, we know. <laughs> He's the epitome of all of those and, and of love. Stephen was stoned for preaching the gospel. But what's so amazing is, and I, and, I, and I really just, he didn't fear. And while he was being stoned, which is a very, it's a very um, traumatic event, actually. Can you imagine watching a stoning where someone's at it? But here's what's amazing is, they said he looked up. He wasn't in pain. He said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He loved the people. And you know that he said while he was being stoned, he said, Father, Forgive them. Please don't charge them with the sin. Exactly what Jesus said on the cross. He understood love. That he, didn't, he, should, he could have been saying, God, look what they're doing. Punish them. How, how does that happen? That someone who's harming you, you can say, forgive them, Lord. That's when God's love has touched your heart. And even death is beautiful when you have love in your heart. Because Stephen's death was a beautiful death. Just as he fell asleep looking and seeing Jesus, it wasn't a traumatic death like it may seem. And the apostle Paul, who was once a fanatic, he was whipped, he suffered many things, but was willing to just keep on doing it because of the great love that he, un, that, that he came to understand. So, influence, we are constantly being influenced. Influences affect your behavior, our, our behavior affects our life. We choose which influences dominate. Make sure God's influences of truth dominate. Faith, hope, and love. Can I ask the band just to come up so long quickly, just as I have to say the last few words. You can choose to watch the news and watch the bad news and be filled with fear about what's happening in the world or what's happening in the country. You can choose to do that. Or you can choose to read the good news or listen to some good news. You can choose who you're going to follow on social media. You can choose. You need to choose your thoughts. Thoughts may come. You can't say, well, I don't want that thought. I don't want but you can say, I'm going to choose to think about God's goodness, his greatness. I'm going to choose to fear God. These are the closing words that I want to say today. Choose your influence. You can't stop being influenced, but you can choose those dominant influences. If you don't choose them, others will choose for you. And I can just tell you, it will be chosen by people who want to exploit you. A seed of truth is more powerful than a tree of lies. Luke 17, verse 5 and 6, the apostles said to, said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, if you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. If you're feeling like you lack faith, you lack hope, you lack love, you just need to start with a small seed. Plant that small seed. Water it daily. God makes it grow. He's the one who makes things grow. But you can plant and you can water. 
That's your part. And he will make it grow. How do you plant a seed? Well, today the seed's been planted, but you can keep planting by reading God's word. A seed. Cultivate it, protect it. Don't let other weeds become and grow up and become entire trees. But I want to just tell you, I just found it quite profound that just a seed, if you just have a seed of faith, you can uproot an entire tree with just that small seed. Start small, start with the small things, and I can assure you God will, God will grow that faith in your life. I want you now, the band can start playing. I want you to just search your heart. Let the Holy Spirit show you an area in your life where you are being influenced by lies. All of us have been influenced by lies from time to time. Let the Holy Spirit search, let him search your heart. Let him show you an area where you're being influenced by lies. Often you know it.